Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. I wanted to start off this podcast with a very fun, very exciting announcement. In two days, on April 18th, I will be sending out a guide to astrology for your career. It is an in-depth, multi-page guide that teaches you how to figure out what houses are in your chart and then analyzes those houses to let you know where your career passions lie, what environments are best suited for you, and to articulate what your skills and your talents are. And so in this guide, you learn to look at your 10th house, your second house, and your sixth house. Those are all the places of the chart that give you very valuable career advice. And this is going out only to newsletter subscribers. So if you haven't yet subscribed, then it is free It only comes out once a month and I try my best to make it as helpful and as supportive to the readers as possible every month. It's my favorite thing to write. So you can find the link to subscribe in the show notes of this podcast. Okay, so now onward. And today's topic is deconstructing imposter syndrome. Okay, so what are we talking about when we talk about imposter syndrome? Well, first of all, it is extremely prevalent. I was reading a study that says that 70% of people will experience at least one episode of imposter syndrome in their lifetime. And while it is not an officially diagnosed mental health condition, many psychologists do admit and realize that imposter syndrome is a very, very serious form of self-doubt. And in this particular flavor of self-doubt, it's when you feel chronic feelings of inadequacy, incompetence, and fraudulence despite having achieved objective success. So no matter what fantastic things you have done in your life, it's so hard for you to internalize that success and to genuinely hold the belief that you are competent and you're capable and you're talented. So no matter what you've achieved, you still don't feel good enough and you don't feel that you deserved it. From three years now of running this podcast, I've come to get to know the audience really well. And a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are extreme overachievers. They have high goals and they're really hard on themselves. And so if you're listening right now, you might be wondering, okay, is this imposter syndrome Or is this a normal and productive sense of self-critique that's going to make me better? So here are some signs and symptoms that you might have imposter syndrome or you might have experienced imposter syndrome. So the first one is that you often credit your own successes to things other than your talent. So you might say something like, well, that was just good luck, or I'm not that smart, I'm just charming, or I'm just a really good networker. So whatever it is, you attribute your successes not to your own abilities and your own gifts, but rather to random entities outside of your control, such as people's misjudgment of you, good luck, or being at the right place in the right time. So essentially, if you 
have ever thought that you have fooled others into thinking that you are more skilled than you actually are, then you may have experienced imposter syndrome. And then behaviorally, there's this really interesting cycle that folks who experience imposter syndrome go through, and it's called the imposter cycle. And this is when you start a task or you start a project and you feel this intense anxiety to perform. You worry that you've bitten off more than you can chew, that you're not actually capable or competent of pulling it off. And so then you start to actually self-sabotage yourself by procrastinating. So you're stressed, you're anxious, you're panicked, and that pushes you to get it done. And then when you finally finish, then you feel relieved and accomplished, but also this confirms your imposter syndrome because the process felt so challenging and so hard. So you think to yourself, I really am not talented when really it was your fear and your anxiety that held you back in the first place. And then the cycle repeats itself over and over and over again. And it triggers these immense feelings of anxiety and self-doubt. Another way that I found it helpful to do a little bit of an audit to see if I indeed have imposter syndrome was to look at the five archetypes of imposter syndrome. And I'll go through these with you today. The first one is the expert. So do you ever feel like you're not satisfied until you know every single thing about a subject? Like you really need to develop an incredibly deep well of expertise before you can even properly speak upon a subject. And so this might be looking like spending too much time researching and searching for information, asking too many other people about their opinions, second guessing yourself, questioning your own assumptions over and over again, and always looking for outside information to verify that what you think could be true. And so this archetype, the expert, in some ways can be really great because you're pushing yourself to really know a subject backwards and forwards. You want to gain expertise, but it can also really hold you back because it makes it really hard to finish tasks and projects in a short amount of time. You keep looking for more information so that you can feel like an expert, but the thing is, because the root is imposter syndrome, it's never enough. There will never be enough data or enough experience for you to truly feel like you know what you're doing. Okay, so the second archetype is the perfectionist. And we all know what that is. It's essentially someone who holds themselves to extreme impossible goals. They set these hyper unrealistic, unachievable goals for themselves. And then they are filled with worry and anxiety when the goals are really tough to achieve. And they take that as confirmation that they are not good enough, that they're worthless. And even when a perfectionist has achieved something really great, they will continue to focus on what they did wrong and what they could have improved instead of taking the time to properly celebrate their achievements. The third archetype of imposter syndrome is called the natural genius. So you might be a quote unquote natural genius if in your past or even now, you generally tend to master new skills pretty quickly. You're pretty sharp. You learn very fast. The problem here is that you actually feel really bad about yourself when things get hard. When you have a goal in mind that's facing a lot of obstacles and challenges, then you quickly begin to doubt yourself. You think, maybe I'm not talented after all. 
you wonder if you actually might be a fraud because everyone has complimented you and told you how great you are your entire life. And so when things get really challenging, you think, okay, that must not be true. I must not be very good. And what everyone believes about me is a lie. The fourth manifestation of imposter syndrome is the soloist or the rugged individualist. So this is someone who really prefers to work alone because they fear that asking for help will reveal that they're not good enough, that they're incompetent. And so this person is so hard on themselves that they turn down attempts for help because they're afraid about what other people will think about them. They don't want people to see their shadow selves. They don't want their peers to know that they have flaws and shortcomings. The soloist will think to themselves, I need to take care of this alone so that I can prove to everyone that I am good enough. Okay, so that's the fourth one. And then the fifth and final archetype of imposter syndrome is the superhero. Superheroes are people who put an extreme amount of effort into everything that they do to the point where it starts to feel like they're workaholics. And the problem is this often leads to burnout. They push themselves to levels that no individual should be expected to bear. And as a result, they get mentally, physically, and emotionally super burnt out because they don't know the right boundaries. They think that in order to be successful and to live up to the reputation that they have, they need to outwork every single person around them. Okay, so as a quick wrap-up, the archetypes are the expert, the person who needs more and more information to feel confident, the perfectionist, which we all know what that means, natural geniuses, which are people who start to feel imposter syndrome kick in whenever there's a new task at hand that they're not naturally gifted at. The next is the soloist, which we talked about. That's the person who has a hard time accepting help, who feels like they need to do everything alone. And then finally, the superheroes, the workaholics, the people who push themselves past any normal boundaries. Did any of those resonate with you? I want everyone to just take a second and think about which of those five archetypes felt most aligned with how you behave when you're stressed out or start to experience self-doubt. I am both the soloist and the superhero. I find it very challenging and very difficult to ask other people for help. I don't like admitting my weaknesses. I don't like other people seeing those weaknesses. And then having a career that started in tech, working at startups that were growing really quickly, I feel like I got indoctrinated with this superhero mentality that unless I was really killing myself over my work, then I wasn't really actually doing a good job. And the really beautiful thing about articulating these five archetypes of imposter syndrome is that it helps us create some distance from imposter syndrome, right? It helps us see it in a more clear light, a more objective lens. And so what you realize is that these archetypes are just archetypes. That's all they are. It's not you. It's not your inherent personality It is simply a learned way of being that you can also unlearn here and now. And it is so essential to unlearn these really unhelpful mindsets because there are some serious and huge negative impacts of imposter syndrome, which I want to talk about now. Okay, so the first and most obvious one is the mental health impact that imposter syndrome carries with it. Think about it. If you are always feeling self-doubt, 
If you're constantly inundating yourself with a barrage of self-criticisms over and over and over again, if you're in fear of being found out that you're a fraud and actually not the person people think you are, then you're going to feel a lot of additional day-to-day anxiety and stress. You might feel like you don't belong. You might worry that you're not as good as everyone else. And then you also might be vigilant living in fear that someone's going to find out that you're not who they think you are. And then this is just the mindset. That mindset also results in real behavioral impacts that aren't good for your career. So first off, people who experience imposter syndrome might avoid seeking promotions or job changes even when they're bored in their role. Because imposter syndrome carries with it this idea that you're not good enough, you also start to believe that you don't deserve a better job and that you can't do anything more than what you currently do today. So then you hold yourself back from opportunities where you might actually really thrive and excel. And that's why this combination of anxiety and stress and then holding oneself back, it means that a lot of people who have imposter syndrome also experience extreme job dissatisfaction and burnout. You know, think about it this way. If one has imposter syndrome, then they would probably tend to stay in their position for way too long, even after they're unhappy, because they don't believe that they can actually do better. They don't think that they deserve more than what they have. And so because imposter syndrome results in an extreme undervaluing of your skills, it can be really hard to recognize environments that make the most of those skills and abilities. I had a really major experience with imposter syndrome backlash when I first started working in venture capital. So this was the year 2016 and I was having so much imposter syndrome. It was crazy. It was like, all I could think about was how unworthy I was for this role because I looked around me at all my colleagues and my coworkers and almost every single one of them had gone to an Ivy League school and about half of them had also an MBA from another Ivy League school. And then on top of that, it seemed like every single person at the firm had worked or interned at super impressive places on their resume. You know, you would look at their LinkedIn profiles and think, okay, this is what I would have written if I were an AI trying to come up with a perfect on paper resume. And I really was not like that. I was the opposite. And I had actually gone through a really tough hiring process there because I think people were like, oh, she's really smart and she's really good, but what's the deal with her background? I hadn't worked anywhere with name brand pedigree. I'd worked at a bunch of startups that no one had ever heard of. And I also hadn't gone to a remarkable school. I went to the University of Virginia, which is a fantastic state school, but compared to the Ivy Leagues of the people around me, it didn't look so hot. And during the interview process, I think I did a really good job of not letting imposter syndrome overtake me. I was actually really confident about what I had done, but I think because the interview process took so long, I think I interviewed for more than six months, I think it really eroded my confidence and made me start to feel like I had to prove myself and that I was starting off from a real deficit that I would have to make up. And because I had never done a job like this before, when I did start it, I did feel pretty immediately overwhelmed. I felt like I was drowning. I didn't know who to ask for help. Remember, I'm the soloist. That's my archetype. So it's very tough for me to ask for help. And so then finally, my boss suggested that I hire someone as a contractor to come on board and help me a little bit. 
And here is when I fell into the imposter syndrome trap because I had so much doubt and insecurity about my own background. I went and hired someone who had a pretty good background. She had gone to a great school. She had worked at all the right companies. And even though I was getting these huge red and yellow flags about her toxicity as a person, my imposter syndrome got the better of me and said, you know, Liz, you're not good enough in these areas. So you need to bring on someone who can help you, who fills in these gaps of pedigree that you don't have. And none of this was hyper-conscious. It was all happening outside of my intentional awareness, but nevertheless, it was still happening. And so this person, let's call her Jane, she flew out to New York to spend a week working with me. I took her out to dinner and I opened up to her and told her how tough it had been at the company and how I didn't really feel like I was supported. And she was super empathetic. And I left that dinner thinking, wow, finally someone understands me. But then the next morning I went into work and my boss was really mad and really upset. And he said, Liz, I need to talk to you. And what he told me was that after that dinner, that person, Jane, who I had hired, immediately wrote to him and my other boss and said that I was basically talking shit about the company. I was incompetent and incapable at my job and that she should have my job instead of me. And the thing is, I wasn't even really that surprised, even though this was such an extreme thing for her to do that was completely outside of the bands of professionality because I had picked up on a lot of red flags from her. I knew it in my heart of hearts. I knew she wasn't the right hire, but because I was experiencing this huge depth of imposter syndrome and self-doubt, I let that self-doubt make all my decisions for me instead of thinking with clarity, trust, and confidence in myself. And in that moment, I made myself two promises. The first promise, I said to myself, okay, I am never going to ignore red flags from toxic people ever again. No matter how much I think I need them, no, never again. And then the second thing I said to myself is that I was never going to let other people inform my own self-confidence. I was not going to rely on what other people thought to forge my self-esteem. I was going to build it on my own and believe in myself no matter what. And we're going to talk about some additional tools that I learned in this battle, this couple years long battle to eradicate imposter syndrome from my life. But first, I want to talk a little bit about where it actually comes from. Because in that example that I just told you, the story, I hadn't been feeling imposter syndrome before I started that job. I was actually extremely confident in the interview process. And it was really only when I stepped into the shoes of this new role that I started to have this extreme, intense self-doubt that I wasn't good enough and that other people would find out that I wasn't good enough. And so the first cause of imposter syndrome is exactly like my situation. It's new challenges. And so maybe you've had a recent opportunity or a big success. Maybe you've gotten promoted or gotten a job offer. But these quote unquote dreams come true moments can actually trigger a sense of imposterism because maybe that success is coming sooner than you thought it would arrive. And so you might be thinking to yourself, I don't deserve this new position. And it was all a mistake that people think that I'm qualified for it. And as soon as I step into this role, I will not be able to perform. So imposter syndrome can really come from a moment in time. It can come after a string of disappointments. It can come from a bunch of big wins that you have on your plate. 
If there's been a recent meteoric shift in your career, then it is very likely that imposter syndrome has the ability to sneak in. And the second cause of imposter syndrome is obviously your childhood. (laughs) I kind of joke around that everything can track back to childhood, but really, truly, if you grew up in a place where you had a very gifted sibling who everyone heaped a ton of praise on all the time, you may grow up to internalize feelings that you are inadequate. Or maybe in a different type of situation, you grew up with parents who put a lot of pressure on you to perform and achieve. And so they were either criticizing you and pushing you harder, or they were giving you lots and lots of praise for what you did well. And so those types of environments where you don't know if you're about to get a lot of praise or a lot of critique can trigger imposter syndrome because you're never quite sure if the praise that you're receiving is actually really warranted or not. Your sense of whether or not you're doing a good job comes from externally, it comes from your parents. You've never learned how to develop it for yourself. And so you really rely on the praise or critique of others for you to know how it is that you're feeling about yourself. And generally, the way you choose to feel about yourself is not very good. Another childhood cause of imposter syndrome might be if you did really well at school and you're naturally really gifted at something, whether it's school or sports. And so if everything came super easily to you at a young age, then you might find it really difficult to perform when you're faced with challenges, with things that are hard to achieve. You're not used to the struggle, and you think that you're only good if things come really seamlessly and frictionlessly for you. And so as soon as you start to confront obstacles, you blame it on yourself. You think it must be because you're not good enough. Also, imposter syndrome can come from being part of a marginalized population, and this is because of discrimination. People who are different from most of their peers can feel a really high level of imposter syndrome. So for instance, women who work in tech who are surrounded mostly by men or first-generation college students or being the only of anything, the only Black person in your school, the only Latino in the band, whatever it might be. And this is because of subtle discrimination that's telling you that you don't belong. Or it's even from looking around at all of your peers and not seeing any similarities to them. You wonder, do I really actually deserve to be here? For me, I think the way that my mom raised me really activated my imposter syndrome because she really vacillated between overpraising me for things that I had done. She loved it when I got good grades or I won awards, but then she would also really be so mean when she was criticizing me. And so I really felt like a fraud. So even when she would praise me, I would think, well, yesterday you told me I was completely worthless. So which one is it? And I had a really hard time identifying and articulating what my own talents were because I was just always waiting for her to tell me if what I was doing was good enough. And it took me many, many years to learn how to develop this own muscle for myself. And then also in the example that I gave earlier, I felt totally marginalized when I joined this venture capital firm. I hadn't gone to the same schools they had. There weren't a lot of women in the company. And also there weren't a lot of people in non-investing roles like mine. Everyone else was there to invest in companies and I was there to help support the companies. My line of work wasn't as valued as what everyone else did at the company. But the good news about all of this is that there's a happy ending because I have completely 
broken free from imposter syndrome. I haven't really felt any persistent feelings of imposter syndrome in a very, very long time. And so now I want to actually segue into sharing some tips for overcoming imposter syndrome that hopefully can help you reach your greatest potential and free you from these shackles of self-doubt. Okay, so the first step to overcoming imposter syndrome is my favorite. It's about awareness, which you already have now that you have listened to this podcast. And awareness is about essentially being conscious that your imposter syndrome doesn't come from your own deficiencies. It's not about how incompetent you are or how untalented you are, but rather imposter syndrome comes from false narratives that we have inherited whether through our families of origin or from the discrimination that we face in a society. To put this another way, you're not feeling imposter syndrome because you're an imposter. You're feeling imposter syndrome because you've been falsely led to believe that you should. Somewhere along the way, you picked up the message that no matter how much you achieve, you will always be deficient and it will never be good enough. And so if the root of your imposter syndrome truly is this false narrative, then the way to defeat imposter syndrome is not to be perfect or make yourself better, but rather to change the narrative that runs through your mind. And I know I'm about to make it sound really simple and easy, but in some ways it actually is. Because what you do is instead of telling yourself all the time that you are a fraud and you're not good enough, you just start telling yourself that you are good enough and you deserve everything that you've earned. You simply accept the fact that these critical voices in your mind, that's just imposter syndrome at play, but that imposter syndrome is not inherently who you are. It's not real. My very, very favorite thing that I learned in doing all this research about imposter syndrome is that people who are actually imposters don't have imposter syndrome. You know, you can see it from all those biopics about the WeWork guy or about the Theranos woman. These are people who actually were frauds. They truly were imposters, but they thought that they were the greatest gift to the world. They weren't having any doubt about themselves. And so if you're experiencing imposter syndrome, I'm going to give it a 99.9% certainty that you are not actually an imposter. Okay, so that's the first tip. And that tip is just to understand and have awareness that imposter syndrome is simply that. It's just a syndrome. It's a false narrative. It's an outdated model of looking at the world that you need to drop. And now the second tip is now about action. It's about being able to challenge those negative thoughts. You turn your attention away from looking for proof that you are indeed insufficient to instead looking for proof that you are valuable, you are talented, you are loved. When I was first battling imposter syndrome, I created a folder on my desktop called Reminders of Things That Are True. And in this folder, I would save little emails and notes and text messages from people that told me that I was good, that I was okay, that I was helpful in some way. And so when imposter syndrome was really rearing its head, I could return to this folder, a reminder of things that are true, and I could remind myself that I actually was a fine human being, that I was actually doing all right. 
And after relying on those external reminders for some time, I finally was able to graduate to creating those reminders for myself. I was consistently doing my self-gratitude list, so looking for three things that I did well every single day. And at first, it was really, really hard to find three things that I felt I did well, especially because as a recovering perfectionist, I was always so hard on myself about what I could do better. And then over time, it became easy and it became natural. And now I actually don't even need to write them down, though I still sometimes do. But I do think of things I did really well in the moment all the time. You know, my day is a pretty positive one where I'm reflecting on self in a really complimentary and optimistic light. So that's step two, challenge those negative thoughts that you have about yourself and start doing it first by tuning into the praise that you've gotten from the world around you. What have other people said is really great about you? What are emails, text messages, and notes where other people highlight how wonderful you are and then read them over and over again as you build up your self-confidence? And then when your self-confidence feels strong enough, then can you instead start to rely on yourself? Focus in on your daily self-gratitude list and as you move throughout the day, notice little micro moments where you did things well. And then finally, the third tip to battling imposter syndrome is to quit the comparisons. It's just really as simple as that. Stop comparing yourself to other people. It's just not helpful in any way, and it's actually not even accurate. I heard a quote somewhere once about how we're always comparing our messy insides to everyone else's perfect outsides. And this is so true in this age of social media that we live in where people are posting really the highlights of their lives. It's a very manufactured version of the messy life that we all have. People are showcasing the best. And even when they are showcasing things that are less positive and sharing struggles that they're going through, those are highly processed as well, right? Except for our very, very closest loved ones, we are never there when the people in our lives are having anxiety attacks when they're experiencing huge crises of confidence, or when they're spiraling into really unhealthy habits. We just see the things that they want to share about themselves. And then conversely, we see everything about ourselves. We see the good, the bad, the ugly. We remember all the times that we got into a fight with a loved one, or we said the wrong thing, or did the wrong thing, or acted in a way that we're not proud of. And then we hold all these things against ourselves. So when we compare ourselves to other people, it's like looking into a filter or a funhouse mirror. It's not fair. It's like comparing your intelligence and aptitude on a test about history to someone who knew all the answers and got to pre-study for that test. It's about comparing the way that you look when you first wake up to someone who had their hair and makeup done for an hour and a half. It's as if you tried to compare an impromptu stream of conscious piece of writing to a play that someone else spent six months writing and editing, refining and making better. It's just not apples to apples. It's not even apples to oranges. It's like comparing an apple to an apple pie. And so that's actually the biggest part of imposter syndrome is to change the way your perspective is facing. And you shift it from being external and focused on other people and asking the questions of, do I belong here? Am I as good as them? 
Am I okay compared to my peers? And instead you turn all the attention back onto yourself and you look at how great you are. You think about how far you've come in your own life. You think about everything that you've learned, how you've evolved, and how every day you're getting better and better. Okay, so those are the three tips. I know they're super simple, but really the beauty of them is in the practice. It's of actually doing them. And so just to recap, the first one is awareness. Know that if you are experiencing imposter syndrome, then you're probably not an imposter (laughs) because imposters don't get imposter syndrome. And then number two, challenging those negative thoughts that you have about yourself and finding new sources of evidence that those criticisms aren't actually true. And then finally, number three, moving away from comparing yourself to other people and instead turning all of your attention and all of your energy and pouring that back onto yourself. Thank you everyone for tuning in today and for all the other days. The podcast is really growing because of you. Last week, the download numbers were 2x what they've ever been before. And I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing the podcast. And it just really blows my mind how generous you all are with trying to get the word out. I hope everyone has a really beautiful spring weekend. And as we always say, this is your gentle reminder to love yourself, to listen to yourself, and to say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. See you all in two weeks.